Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate the opportunity to worship our Lord. Appreciate the music and the good words. Joshua chapter 3, please. If you would turn with me in your copy of the scripture to Joshua chapter 3. When pastor called me some months ago, he said, Bill, I know you have a full schedule, but would you might have this day open? And, and we did. And he told me what was going on. I thought, wow, this church, even like First Baptist in Cedar Springs, where Terry and I go, this church was started before the Civil War. What do you do in a 180th anniversary? What do you say? How do you encourage? Well, you saw the slides. The best is behind us. Uh-uh. Not by a long shot. And as I see the word of God in Joshua chapter 3, they were facing new opportunities. We're going to dig into that. You are facing new opportunities. You'll be facing some new trials even as they were. Joshua chapter 3 as I read, and I'll make some comments as I read. And Joshua rose early in the morning and moved on to Shittim and came unto the Jordan, the Jordan River, the mighty Jordan River they needed to cross over. And he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. They commanded the people saying, when you see the ark, the ark is vitally important, dear people. When you see the ark, go with it. When you see the ark, move with it. The ark is a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. The ark is a type of Christ. It existed. It was real. It was a two foot by two foot by four foot box. It had a golden slab called the mercy seat. There were two angels on, on each. And then in the center, the Shekinah glory of God. How does that represent Jesus Christ? And stop and think. The ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. It contained the Ten Commandments, which represents Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God. The ark contained the golden pot of manna. That's symbolic of Christ, the bread of life, or Christ, the resources of God. And then Aaron's rod that budded. Uh, boys and girls, that means that this was an old dead stick. And it was what Aaron used as a staff. And he had that old dead stick, probably dead for your people like their staffs. He didn't just grab a stick, but it, it was something that was personal. But it was a dead piece of wood. And it budded. That is, it got life on it again. And of course, you know ahead of time, that is symbolic of Christ, the resurrection of God. And it is the resurrection. We've just... We've just celebrated the resurrection. Likely, maybe as a congregation, someone said to you, he has risen, and you would answer, he is risen indeed. And that was last week. If I came this morning and I greeted you and I said, he is risen, some of you would think, well, that was last week. No, dear people, we meet on Sunday. Sunday's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't changed from Saturday to Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. Why did they begin meeting on the first day of the week? They began meeting on the first day of the week to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited and thrilled in the opportunity to share it once a year. But that's not only the time we, the only time we do it. Technically, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
every time we get together on a Sunday. And without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, authentic Christianity would fall like a house of cards. Some would say, there are some people out there who do say, it doesn't matter if Jesus rose from the dead or not. He taught some good things and we follow the teaching of Jesus. Oh, not so. It does matter that he rose from the dead. That he conquered death for you and for me. The Apostle Paul told those people in Corinth as he was wrapping up his book to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, wrapping up his letter to them. He said, for I delivered unto you first of all. That first of all means as a matter of, as a matter of priority. It doesn't necessarily mean it was the first thing out of his mouth. But I delivered you unto you, first of all, as a matter of priority, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. The resurrection is what fuels us for ongoing service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to our passage. Verse 3, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of Levites bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it. Follow the ark. We don't even have an ark. The ark is symbolic of Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does. Because if they would have all gathered around it, the rest of them couldn't have been able to see it. They needed to be able to see the ark. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how that is symbolic of our relationship with Christ as well. He says, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not nigh unto it that you may know by which way you go, for you have not. And here's for you. Remember the ark. But then remember this at First Baptist in Allegan. For you have not passed this way before. There are new challenges, new opportunities. Uh, no, no, no problems. We're going to ignore those. No, you don't do that. You don't stick your head in the sand and say, we don't have any problems. We sometimes do have problems. But we're victorious over before we've not passed this way before. Well, incidentally, this is not only true as a church family. This is true as, as individuals. Terry and I have four children. We miss having four teenagers in our home at the same time. And that our son turned 20 just two months before our twin boys turned 13. We never passed that way before. One time I had a conflict with our oldest son and... We're sitting and talking about it later, and we're praying together. And he says, well, Dad, I, I realize you've never raised teenagers before. And that was not condescending. It's true. What do I do here? How do I do this? We'd not passed this way before. Now the kids are gone, and we're delighted to have grandchildren. Wow. If I knew grandchildren were so much fun, I'd have had them first. And new challenges. We've not passed this way before. So in any areas of your life, and I trust that you're learning and growing and thriving in the things of Christ. For you have not passed this way before. Here is a danger. And that danger is that I know a lot of you. We've been rubbing shoulders for some decades. But I don't know exactly what you're going through. But I know this about most of you. You could quit learning today and still get by. And I hope the wheels are turning and you're saying, well, that's wrong. That's bad, right? Yeah, that's bad. But we could quit learning today. We know enough. When I teach the word of God this morning, it's not likely that I'll be teaching something where you'll say, whoa, isn't that amazing? I never heard that before. 
No, you've heard it, but are you still learning? Are you still growing? Are you still allowing the word of God to take root in your heart and change you and make you more like Jesus Christ? Because if we quit growing, we can get by. But we're not supposed to just get by. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. They got by. They wandered in the wilderness. No evidence of prayer. No evidence of progress. No evidence of getting to know God better for those 40 years. God forbid that any of us would do that. Joshua spoke unto the priests in verse 6. Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Pass over before the people that they may... And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I will begin to multiply thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And thou shalt command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, ye shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. They're still hearing the word of God. And again, I trust that's true in your life. I trust it's true in my life. And Joshua said, Hereby shall you know that the living God, look at the titles of God here, and Lord willing, we'll be able to look at these because they're all symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Hereby shall you know, verse 10, that the living God is among you. And that ye will not fail, he will not fail to drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevuzites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth, over before you into all the Jordan. And therefore, take you men out of every tribe of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests of the Levites. Think of this. What did they have to do? We have seen the Jordan River. And at this time of year in which this was written, it was a raging river of difficulty. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. So there's another term, the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the rivers of the Jordan shall be cut off from above the waters that shall come down from above. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan. And the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they who bore the Ark were come unto the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark were dipped to the brim of the water, for the Jordan overfloweth with all its banks at this time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in a heap. I've never seen a heap of water. The water was piled up. Do you really believe that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I believe that God can take a hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner and somehow equip me through the righteousness of Jesus Christ to make me fit for heaven, then God could stand the waters up in a heap. Very far, look at verse 16, very far from the city of Adam. That's interesting. That is besides Zarethan. That those came down toward the sea of Arubah, and the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood on firm ground, they didn't slosh through the water. They stood on firm ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed completely over the Jordan. Dear Lord, help us as we dig into your word now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
is what fuels our motivation to live the way that we ought to live. It's what fuels our motivation to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ark represents the presence of God with his people. And that's what Jesus Christ is. Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, and Peter calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. In fact, he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. So the presence of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we are complete in Christ. We are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. This is kind of parenthetical to the message this morning, but I have made a pursuit. I was saying of a couple of decades, and, and this past year I said to my dear wife, I said, honey, I've been saying a couple of decades. Is it time I can say about three decades? And she said, yes. Now, we've been served longer than that, for, but for about three decades, I've made a pursuit in the Word of God to find out what the Bible says about me, find out what God says about me, and believe it. Not just the fun and exciting stuff. A lot of that we're looking at today. But the warnings, too. And the concerns. What does God say about me? I want to find that out. I want to believe it. And then, importantly, most importantly, then I need to act accordingly. I need to act like who I am in Christ. So I, I read a verse like Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. That you are complete in him. And I may roll out of bed some days, and I don't feel complete. And him. I had the privilege of hunting in Montana this year, and I hunted with the pastor of First Baptist in Dillon, and we, we harvested between eight and nine deer. I can't remember. I could call him and find out, but it just seems better to say between eight and nine deer, and drug those deer out of the woods, loaded them in the back of the truck, drove to the garage and hung them up, and I messed up my back. And I want to tell you something. There are some days where I don't feel like I'm complete in him, not just because I messed up. Incidentally, it's getting better. I'm seeing a good therapist, and we're doing fine. That's physical therapist, for those of you who may be concerned for my psychological well-being. I may not feel complete in him. So what do you do? What do you do when, when you read the Word of God, and this is what the Word of God says about me, and yet I don't feel that? Dear people, the answer is simple not always easy to do but it's a basic answer we choose to obey the word of god we choose to believe the word of god over and above our feelings because you can't trust your feelings they're deceptive they're deceitful so think of this dramatic moment in the lives of the children of israel and this ark this old testament picture of jesus christ and the ark is mentioned again and again and again it's a type of christ in chapter 3, the ark is mentioned 10 times. This isn't incidental to the study. In chapter 4, the ark is mentioned 7 times. In chapter 6, it's mentioned 10 times. And the main instructions in verses 3 and 4, when you see the ark move, the ark representing Jesus Christ, when you see Jesus Christ move, go after him, follow him. Successful Christianity could be defined as... Find out which way God is going and join him. Find out which way God is going and follow him. So think of this dramatic moment. After 40 years of wandering, 
What had changed? And you may wrongly think, well, now they had the ark. They had the ark the whole time. So it wasn't just in the fact that they had the ark. What was the difference? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't in possession. I'm referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. All Christians have the Holy Spirit of Christ living in our lives. Just one of the fellows that we had an opportunity to recently lead to Christ, 37-year-old fella, pastor and I went out calling during the day and invited him to special services at night. He came, and his name is Dennis. He doesn't mind me telling you the story. And Dennis came that night on Tuesday night, and pastor and I had the privilege of leading him to Christ. Wow. I said, it will help you a great deal if you'll testify tomorrow night, Wednesday night service. The ladies were meeting with Terry. I was meeting with the guys. It'll do you well to testify that you've accepted Christ as Savior. So I started the men's meeting. And I said, Dennis, you want to share with us? He said, I sure do. And Dennis said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior last night. I said, wow. And he said, I can't wait to be baptized. And then I get the Holy Spirit. How many are feeling a little nervous right now saying, Hmm, did Pastor check this guy out okay? Now, I'm between, I'm in front of all the guys there. This guy shared an enthusiastic testimony. And I had to say, Dennis, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you'll learn because pastors teach him. Pastors disciple him. I said, you'll learn that you have already received the Spirit. You've already rec- you don't get the Holy Spirit when you're baptized with water. You get the Holy Spirit when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. When is that? When we accept Christ as Savior. We may feel something. We may not. So it's not a matter of we got God now, I, I'm saved now, but I want to get the rest of him. That's, that's not a teaching that's found in the Bible. And so likewise, this Ark of the Covenant, we finally have the Ark with us. So now things will change. They had the Ark all the time. It wasn't in possession. I'll try to enunciate. It was in position. No longer was the Ark just in the midst of them, but now it's going to be in front of them. It's going to be leading them. Now it's going to be their focus, not just incidental, that there's an Ark of the Covenant around somewhere, not just incidental that Jesus Christ is around somewhere. No, now it's going to be their focus, and they were going to follow the Ark, just as we're supposed to actively follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something. Some Christians are victorious and others are not. And yet all Christians possess the same person, Jesus Christ. The difference is not in possession, but in position. Victory comes when the Lord becomes leader. Not just in these big decisions. We come to a big decision in our life and we say, where's that spiritual switch now? I want to flip that switch and and get Christ active in my life. No, in in the little decisions, in the day-by-day stuff, in the ordinary stuff. I want to tell you, we have a lot of extraordinary opportunities But I want to assure you that most of our days are ordinary days when nothing spectacular happens. And that's when we need to be listening to God and following, actively following. When the Lord becomes the leader, when the resident, he who lives in us, becomes the ruler, he's to abide in us. The idea means there that the Holy Spirit of God, through Christ, and it is is accurate to say the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ. Remember, Peter called him the Spirit of Christ. And, and that happens when we're mindfully aware. We might want to write this down somewhere. A conscious awareness of the reality of Jesus Christ. When the Christ who resides in all of us now begins to abide. So victory could be defined, as I mentioned. Find out which way God is going and follow him. 
Here's three truths you need to know. Number one, God will guide you when you face uncertainties. That's what they were looking at in verse 4. We've not passed this way before. Dear people, who knows what the rest of 2021 and 22 will hold for us. We've not passed this way before. There's some considerations you don't need to know, and we want to know. I want to know. But we don't need to know these to effectively follow the Lord. We're better off if we don't, and we're walking by faith. And number one would be, we don't need to know where. Abraham followed God and marched under sealed orders. Could you imagine someone stopping Abraham along the way and said, where are you going? Well, I'm not really sure. But we're moving. We don't need to know where. We don't need to know what. Abraham again. Because he didn't know the details, he had to focus on God. Dear friends, that's been the case many, many times in our life. And you helped us pray through one of the most difficult, and I don't mean to capitalize on this, but when our son Clifford got cancer. And you say, was he victorious? He sure was. He's in heaven now. But he followed the Lord. And those were hard days for us. Victorious days. But hard days, because we didn't know the details, we had to focus on God. Keep your eyes on the ark. When the ark moves, move with it. We don't need to know where, we don't need to know what, we don't need to know when. <laughs> we, we think we're wrapping up the presidency of Continental Baptist Missions in July of 22. There's a search committee out there now to replace me, and I said, if you find someone sooner then we'll be glad to leave. And if you don't find anyone by then, we'll be glad to leave. And we'll do the work remotely. You can do those kind of things now. We don't need to know why. Just keep your eyes on the ark. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Can we be gracious enough, dear people, to give God the benefit of the doubt and say... I don't need to know everything God knows. He is God. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, Pastor, the verse you used just a, a few moments ago, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And, and there, there he says, keep your eyes on the ark. Well, he uses different words. But it's the same concept. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So first of all, I want to assure you, when you face uncertainties, God will guide you. Secondly, God will keep his promises. God will keep his promises. Verse 3, they commanded the voice of the people saying, when the Ark of the Covenant, the covenant. What does that mean? The covenant means promise. You could have called it the Ark of the Promise of God, the Ark of the Covenant. When it moves, move with them. God will keep his promises. The promises of God are good for all saints and all seasons and all situations. Look at verse 7, Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, This day will I magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, 
so will I be with you. In other words, a personal message to Joshua. Joshua, my promises did not die with Moses. And likewise, a personal message to you and to me. The promises of God did not die with Joshua either. This is a personal message from God to us. When you see the ark move, when the Lord Jesus Christ moves, when he wants to lead, go with him. Psalm 119, verses 89 and 90. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is to all generations. And I might encourage us, let's not let 2,000 years rob us of the promises of God. Now, that's to say, I understand there were certain promises to the people of the Old Testament, but we're looking at a principle here. And then thirdly, not only will God guide you when you don't know what's coming, the uncertainties, not only will God keep his promises, but God will guard you with his power. He says in verse 3, go after it. Verse 6, twice, he says, when it comes before the people, you follow after it. Verse 11 says, when it passes over before you, verses 12 and 13 also emphasize. Look at verse 15. He says, when they put their feet in the water, that is when they trusted God. How did they do that? Because they knew God. This was a lifestyle with them. Three characteristics of God I said to pay attention to when I read that, how God is described. Verse 9, he is the Lord your God. The Lord. So he is a sovereign God. He has the right to command. In verse 10, he's called the living God. He is the sufficient God. Joshua said, hereby shall you know that the living God is among you. And then the third characteristic of God, he is the Lord of all the earth. Behold the, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Or in other words, he is the saving God. And we're saved for salvation. But dear people, we're saved for service. Hopefully that doesn't characterize any of our lives that we're saved or sanctified and solidified. No, we need to be serving. And that changes through the years. We have some dear saints who are in their 80s and even some in their 90s who pray for us all the time. They say Sometimes they say, Bill, the only thing we can do is pray. We can't do anything more. We have some individuals who help, help support us financially and say, we can't do that anymore. We'll continue to pray for you. Praise the Lord for that. But in verses 4 through 17, the Jordan River, the word, the word Dan means judgment. And the Jordan is the river, Jordan, the river of judgment. Where does it flow? All the way to the Dead Sea. So the Jordan River, Terry and I have been at the headwaters of the Jordan River. They say not to drink out of it, but it's the headwaters. How could I go wrong? So I drank out of it. And, and then it flows all the way down into the Dead Sea. And when the feet touch the brim, it's going to be stopped up. I don't know if you noticed this before. But this river of judgment that ends in death, the Dead Sea, when the Ark of the Covenant or the Lord Jesus Christ enters into the river or enters into the pitcher, the flow of judgment is stopped. How far back? Look at verse 16. All the way back to Adam. Wow. What rich, rich symbolism. And so my encouragement to us, dear people, looking unto Jesus. Someone has translated that off looking 
unto Jesus. Well, what difference does that make? Well, we're looking away. If we're going to focus on Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, if we're going to do that, we need to be off looking at everything else. And not just the bad stuff. But there may be good things in your life and mine that need to go. So I can better focus on the Lord. Maybe we need to get rid of some of the so-called the good things. I'm not talking about sin. That needs to go. But I'm doing the good stuff. Well, maybe some good stuff needs to go in order for you to do better stuff. And maybe some of the better things need to go to encourage you and enable you to do some of the very best things for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our determination, look back to verse 5, and I'm finished. Sanctify, therefore, yourselves. How? The Word of God. Ask yourself, how am I doing in the Word of God? Fellowship and prayer. How are you doing in those areas? Evaluate that before the Lord. And then evaluate. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you sure that there's been a time in your life when you made a decision and you, you made that decision? It's an event. You made that decision to accept Christ as your Savior. If you've not done that, we could certainly help you today. If you're a fella, one of the guys could help you. If you're a lady, one of the ladies would help you to receive Christ as Savior and to know for sure that you're a child of God. Father in heaven, help us, we pray, even as we continue the service to make Jesus Christ our focus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.